Step into the Liberty Layer with your host, Aaron Strong. This is the Aaron Strong Show. The Mueller report has been released, but did anyone think it would solve anything? We'll talk about that, the war in Yemen, and much more, all coming up right now. Thank you for joining me once again in the Liberty Lair. My name is Aaron, and this is the Aaron Strom Show. I was out of town last week watching some motorcycle racing in Austin, Texas. Therefore, I could not do a show. Austin was pretty cool. We got to see the downtown area. We went to the Capitol building, actually sat in a session of Congress. Um, they did have a homeless issue, which we'll go into a little bit later. Um, we'll cover that and love it or hate it. But we are about to get a good episode today, so let's get right into it. Real quick, I wanted to cover some breaking news that has come out of Sri Lanka. Per CNN, 207 people were killed and hundreds were wounded in a series of bomb blasts that hit luxury hotels and churches across Sri Lanka on Easter Sunday, leaving the entire country in a state of lockdown. Sri Lanka has, hasn't really had many issues following the end of their 25-year civil war, which ended in 2009, and this is an ongoing situation and I'm sure more will come out over the next few days. So, if we see anything new, we'll be updating our Facebook page. Just search the Liberty or Death podcast, follow us on there. There's obvious connection here with the attacks occurring on Easter Sunday with Christians that are considered a minority in Sri Lanka. The census data currently shows 70.2% of Sri Lankans identify as Buddhists, with only 7.4% as Christians. Not saying it's related, but according to CNN, the country has seen a surge in ultra-nationalist Buddhism, with leaders pledging to defend the religion at all costs. So we'll keep you updated on the situation. Sri Lanka isn't the only foreign country in the news following legislation and vetoes surrounding the U.S. involvement in Yemen. Last week, President Trump vetoed a bipartisan resolution that would have forced an end to American military involvement in Saudi Arabia's civil war in Yemen. This veto is only the second time the president has used his power to block legislation passed by both the House of Representatives and the Senate. The specific resolution being invoked was the War Powers Act, which we have spoken about on the show previously. This was intended to distance the U.S. from a four-year conflict that has already killed thousands of people in Yemen, innocent civilians. You may remember President Trump receiving criticism for his support of Saudi Arabia after the killing of a journalist, Jamal Khashoggi. It is also reported that the Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and National Security Advisor John R. Bolton both opposed the resolution passed by the House and Senate. Trump stated, This resolution is an unnecessary, dangerous attempt to weaken my constitutional authorities, endangering the lives of American citizens and brave service members both today and in the future. Just like President Trump's veto on the overturning of his national emergency declaration, this resolution will most likely fail as Congress doesn't have the votes to override this veto. President Trump went on in his veto message saying, Great nations do not fight endless wars. However, we cannot end the conflict in Yemen through political documents. Peace in Yemen requires a negotiated settlement. To be honest, I believe this goes completely against what the president, well, what President Trump campaigned on and is in direct violation of the U.S. Constitution, which he says it's actually limiting his constitutional powers. Not true. President Trump ran on a pledge, pledge to reduce military engagements abroad and is now continuing to involve American forces in a foreign war with no constitutional authority. Not to mention the American lives that are at risk here. Just some additional info. 
this state this started way back in 2015 with Obama administration who inserted the US into the war backing Saudi Arabia this itself is an act of war which had no congressional war authorization required by the Constitution article 1 section 8 clause 11 of the Constitution grants Congress the exclusive authority to declare war so the president is indeed the commander-in-chief of the armed forces but Congress is the one who has to declare the war first. I believe we spoke about this on a previous show. The president does have immediate powers in times of crisis, but shortly after military intervention, he must ask Congress to declare war before continuing. We have been there since 2015 now with no congressional authorization. So tell me, where exactly is this immediate national emergency that we need to stay in Yemen? Are we just going to say everything is a national emergency now? I'm digressing. The War Powers Act of 1973 requires the president to consult with Congress 48 hours of American for uh, 48 hours after American forces have been de being deployed, which Congress can decide to terminate that involvement after those 48 hours. If there is no com uh, communication between the president and Congress, they will terminate that involvement. Section 50 of U.S. Code Section 1544C states that at any time the United States armed forces are engaged in hostilities outside of the territory of the United States, its possessions and territories without a declaration of war or specific statutory authorization, such forces shall be removed by the president if the Congress so directs by concurrent resolution. And that shall be removed was um, highlighted in this, in this text, saying that they have the ability to remove this from the president. This has more recently been completely ignored by previous presidents. I guess Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 of the Constitution is meaningless, just like much of the rest of the Constitution nowadays. Not only is it meaningless, the exact opposite is happening. The, this resolution was passed by Congress showing that they are actually rejecting Americans' participation in Yemen. President Trump shouldn't have the ability, in this case, to veto it. I am, for one, sick of the Constitution being undermined undermined by both parties, and I'm also sick of Americans losing their, losing their lives in stupid conflicts that we don't need to be involved in. This includes conflicts like Iraq, Afghanistan. We need to be out of there. Alright, we will now go on to the biggest news of the week, which came out last week. This is the Mueller Report, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. There's this new book out now called On Fire by G. Stone Johnson that I really enjoyed. It is a true life adventure spanning a 30-year career of a firefighter paramedic. It is filled with more than 66 calls, including house and condo fires, rescues, medical emergencies, gunshot wounds, and vehicle traumas. G. Stone Johnson was able to put you in his place to feel what it was really like to be a frontline first responder. He helps you experience what it feels, sounds, and even smells like being alone in a raging house fire. After a busy day of fires and rescues, finally return to the firehouse and laugh at firehouse antics and all the pranks pulled on each other. Sit down with my brother and sister firefighters for a nice hot dinner when all of a sudden the alarm bell rings and we start all over again. This book is a must read for anyone interested in becoming a first responder or just interested in the topic in general. You can get On Fire on Amazon.com and on Kindle, but you must type On Fire by G. Stone Johnson. It really is a good read. Go check it out. Alright, the, the Mueller report is here. We have been told for two years now by the Democrats that there has been a complete attack on our country and no one other than Donald Trump and his campaign have assisted Russia in doing so. 
The 2016 election was supposedly a sham, and Hillary was the true victor, just like back in 2000 when it was Al Gore. People like Adam Schiff staked their careers on the premise that President Trump colluded with Russia. We were told that they have proof, and are 100% sure this happened. Robert Mueller was championed by the left as a hero that was going to set this straight and prove that no. It wasn't Hillary being the worst candidate in modern history, it was that Trump cheated. And I'm here to say that after all that speculation and all those promises, actually none of it came true on Thursday. None of it. Well, most. While President Trump has been furiously tweeting that he has been vindicated, it's not all sunshine and rainbows for him. I'd also like to thank Special Counsel Robert Mueller for his service and the thoroughness of his investigation particularly his work exposing the nature of Russia's attempts to interfere in our electoral process. As you know, one of the primary purposes of the special counsel's investigation was to determine whether President Trump's campaign or any individual associated with it conspired or coordinated with the Russian government to interfere in the 2016 election. Volume one of the special counsel's report describes the results of that investigation. As you will see, the special counsel's report states that his, quote, investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. I am sure that all Americans share my concern about the efforts of the Russian government to interfere in our presidential election. As the special counsel report makes clear, the Russian government sought to interfere in our election process. But thanks to the special counsel's thorough investigation, we now know that the Russian operatives who perpetrated these schemes did not have the cooperation of President Trump or the Trump campaign. First of all, raise your hand if you didn't think this would all end after the report was released and Democrats would stop going after Trump and the world would be better. I'm, I'm raising my hand. You, you can't see it, but I am. Of course, it doesn't stop here. We first had Trump's obvious moral issues, then collusion, then his taxes, back to collusion, and now on to obstruction of justice. With the collusion aspect of this, we have seen a lot of information already that was included in the report. Nothing has really changed here. For example, we knew Michael Flynn lied about his communications with Russia. George Papadopoulos lied about communicating with someone he thought was connected to Russia. Roger Stone lied about receiving info from WikiLeaks, which we will get into a little later. Michael Cohen lied about Trump negotiating a deal with Trump Tower in Moscow. So we knew all of this. Even with this information, Robert Mueller's team found no evidence of collusion with the Trump campaign and Russia. Ultimately, a win for Trump, given the attacks over the last two years, the question was, is Donald Trump a traitor who colluded with the Russian government to steal the 2016 election? And the answer to that is no. We already knew that Trump was a terribly immoral and dishonest person prior to the election, so for the attack to shift in that direction again, it's just another sign that the left was proven wrong. The media also took a huge position in looking through a lens, already assuming Trump's guilt. This was a majority of the media, not all. Some did come at it with the correct uh, point of view. While there is much to dislike about that, and while the, they probably took longer than needed, one, this is at least 
this at least needed an investigation because I sure would like to know no one is colluding with a foreign government, and especially if it's our president. And two, with what we know about Trump, it isn't crazy to think him or a member of his campaign would try to do something like that, just given his, given his past. Trump's reaction to the initial investigation was probably a result of innocent frustration, but at the same time, it didn't help his political interests. I believe the report supports all of this, and just like all the other issues we currently face, you can look at it from a point of view that sees faults in both sides. You don't have to be strict on the left or the right, and this, because I'm seeing people claim that Trump is completely exonerated, which it's not true if you read the report. I'm also seeing people who say you can't obstruct justice if no crime was committed. This is incredibly false. You can absolutely obstruct justice without a crime being the end result of the investigation. You're still obstructing the investigation. All that being said, the Mueller report continuously stated there was no evidence of collusion. Listen to what it specifically says. It said, although the investigation established that the Russian government perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency and work to secure that outcome, and that the campaign expected it would benefit electorally from information stolen and released through Russian efforts, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. Also, Trump did actively tweet and invest, uh, act on the investigation in ways he should not have, even against his own advisors, but he never sent federal agencies to investigate his opponents, and he didn't fire Mueller or Sessions based on the investigation. And part of being obstructive requires deceptive acts. It's hard to say that Trump was being deceptive here, when he literally did everything right out in the open, as Trump does. Being president doesn't prevent him from using his First Amendment rights. The only thing his actions could result of in, in this process is some type of formal impeachment against him, but not criminal prosecution. Like I have already said, this is a win for Trump regarding potential criminal activity, but he doesn't look good here in this report. If anything, he should be embarrassed, as the report calls him out for defending Putin, lying about Trump Tower, and praising WikiLeaks. And to avoid the consequences of these actions, he did even more embarrassing things like having Don Jr. lie about the Trump Tower meeting. He tried to get Attorney General Sessions to talk about his innocence and constrict the scope of the investigation. And according to the report, these aren't criminalizing actions, but they still are embarrassing for President Trump. It's not something that you want your president doing. As the end result, showing no conclusion, Trump was rightly pissed that there was an investigation in the first place. Can, I mean, can you imagine being attacked over and over, which is then followed by an investigation of something you absolutely didn't do? I would be pissed too. And from his point of view, they could have been trying to set him up, planning on setting him up this entire time. Not only that, but the investigation was obviously it took two years. Everyone expected that to happen. And when that's going on, it definitely would prevent you from performing certain things as president because you have this looming over your head. So he, he probably wasn't happy about that either. So in hindsight, it very much seems like President Trump was lashing out, not covering up. Everyone should at least be happy as it appears the president did not collude with Russia. Everyone should be happy about that. For now, I will leave you with Ben Shapiro's one-line takeaway, which he tweeted out on April 18th. Trump and his campaign engaged in deeply embarrassing and immoral but non-criminal behavior. In attempting to avoid that embarrassment, 
Trump engaged in more deeply embarrassing and immoral, but ultimately non-criminal behavior. <laughs> yeah, I think that sums it up quite well. As I said, we would get into WikiLeaks as well, which was involved in the Robert Mueller investigation just a little bit. The founder of WikiLeaks was arrested in Brit by British police in London, Britain, on April 11th. Assange has been staying in the Ecuador embassy for the last seven years. This is Julian Assange. Apparently, his time has run out. The Brits have charged him with jumping bail in 2012, and this is a pretty minor uh, charge compared to the other charges that are against him now. There appears to be something more behind this, and that is the American effort to have Julian Assange extradited to the U.S. This is now being reported by the Washington Post that the Justice Department charged Assange in a sealed indictment with conspiracy to publish U.S. documents, specifically conspiring in 2010 with then-Bradley Manning, now Chelsea Manning, Manning, who was a U.S. Army intelligence analyst. Bradley, or Chelsea Manning, is now in jail. If he is only receiving top-secret info and publishing it regardless of circumstances, he really can't be looked at any different than we would CNN or the Wall Street Journal or New York Times. But if he aided and abetted the theft of that information, well, that could be a different story. This does bring up a debate on the First Amendment, and if it protects journalists from publishing classified information. I'm torn because I think it's terrible that someone would release this classified information and put lives at risk, potentially, but at the same time, with someone like Edward Snowden, if an individual sees the government doing something completely wrong, wouldn't you like to know what it is? I feel like those situations should provide immunity to the person who is whistleblowing for, you know, for attempting to share the government corruption. Relating back to our discussion on the Mueller report, there is no indictment towards Julian Assange for a collusion, as no collusion was actually found. What will be interesting, though, is the fact that there is a five-year statute of limitations to most federal crimes relating to conspiracy and com uh, computer fraud, which is what he's being charged with. The Justice Department appears to be relying on Section 2332B of the Penal Code extending the statute of limitations to eight years for acts of terrorism transcending national boundaries. Since this is a hot topic between libertarians and conservatives on whether Julian Assange is some hero or some criminal, let us know in the comments on SoundCloud and on Facebook whether or not you are in favor of prosecuting someone like Julian Assange or Edward Snowden. We're curious to see what you guys think. Alright, I wasn't planning on doing a love it or hate it for today's show, but it has been a few weeks since my last show, so why not throw it in here? Everyone knows the drill at this point. News takes place. I read the headlines. We either laugh or get pissed, and Trump loves it or hates it. Let's go. First up, from the man releasing the report, Attorney General William Barr, in his press conference prior to the release of the Mueller report, he is asked questions by a reporter and, well, just being honest, you can tell this ain't Barr's first rodeo. He shuts her down fairly quickly when she asks about how critics are saying he is defending Trump, using his emotions and all that good stuff. Take a listen. Let's start with Democrats who have questioned some of the process here. A Republican appointed judge on Tuesday said you have, quote, created an environment that has caused a significant part of the American public to be concerned about these redactions. You've cleared the president on obstruction. The president is fundraising off of your comments about spying. And here you have remarks that are quite generous to the president, including acknowledging his feelings 
and his emotions. So what do you say to people on both sides of the aisle who are concerned that you are trying to protect the president? Well, actually, the, the statements about his, his, his uh, sincere beliefs are, for, are recognized in the report that there was substantial evidence for that. So I'm not sure what your basis is for saying that I am being generous to the president. You face an unprecedented situation. It just seems like there's a it's, lot of effort to say, to, to go out of your way to acknowledge how this Well, is there, is there another president for it? No, but it's unusual. Okay, so that unprecedented is an accurate description, isn't it? Yes, but okay. what do you say to people who are... <laughs> so he's up there, blank-faced. She's asking this question. It's obviously po directly pointed to him, accusing him of being uh, favorable to President Trump, and he rightly puts her in her place. He has been getting a lot of criticism here, and really no one's been paying attention to him for the past couple months, so it's funny how this is coming up, and people are trying to say that he... I mean, it's just another line of attack here, where it's not the, the report isn't going to be factually correct because Barr is, is preventing it from being so. Um, ju just like how all the people on the left supported, what's his name, Robert Mueller, and now they say that everything in the report isn't true, nothing in it is, is accurate, and they're continuing to push with the collusion narrative. I'm sure Trump personally would like to say here, I love it! Next up, we have a headline from TheBlaze.com, which reads, San Francisco's poop problem explodes on the city streets and sidewalks. Yeah, you heard that right. We are having an explosive poop epidemic in San Francisco. According to the article, poop on the street has long plagued the city of San Francisco, but the problem has exploded over the past few years as the city's homeless population has surged. The 2018 numbers show an increase of poop on the streets to 28,084 in 2018. This is up five times compared to the number in 2011, which had 5,547 reports of human feces. John Paskowski has lovely brown graph on Twitter of human feces in, uh, incidents by year in San Francisco, which has somewhat of a hockey stick appearance similar to what we are seeing with global warming. This brings the total to 118,352 reports of human waste being seen across San Francisco, which is crazy. This prompted the city to act quickly, of course, and put the poop patrol into action. Yes, they have paid positions now to clean up poop off the streets. I think this is hilarious, kind of sad, but it's California nutshell. So I'm giving this a... I love it! Last of the love it or hate it segment today, we come to the lovely state of Ohio where there is some good news and some bad news. The good news is Ohio Governor Mike DeWine signed into law a bill that bans abortion as soon as the baby's heartbeat is detected, which can be as early as six weeks. That isn't where the love it or hate it comes in. Here is the bad news. This shows how ridiculous the stance is for Democrats when it comes to abortion. Before this bill was passed, a Democrat state representative from Ohio tried to slip in an amendment to make sure African-American babies were excluded from the pro-life bill and could be aborted up to 20 weeks. Because why not? Representative Janine Boyd proposed Amendment 0291, which would have provided an exception for black mothers to abort their babies. She suggested protecting black children from abortion is somehow akin to slavery. Okay. She said black slaves were once treated like cattle and put out to stud in order to create generations of more slaves. Ultimately, this amendment did not pass, protecting virtually every baby's life once a heartbeat is detected in Ohio, but this obviously gets an- I hate it. It is wrong to own humans, and it is also wrong to intentionally kill them. 
do they want even higher abortion rates in the African-American community, which are exceeding 40% currently? Seems like it. All right, that is all for today's show, everyone. I hope you enjoyed. Remember to comment on the Facebook post containing this link and let me know what you think about the Julian Assange uh, situation and anything else you can think of for that matter. It looks like we are getting more and more viewers as of late, so it would be nice to get some discussions going on our posts. And it doesn't matter, matter whether we agree or disagree. All right, I'll see you next time in the Liberty Lair. Have a good week. This is The Aaron Strump Show.